0: you've done for me
1: We will sing. We will sing, God, of everything that you've done. You're so worthy. You are so mighty. You are so awesome. Mm. You know, I kind of have a kind of a motto for my life and a motto for my worship. And that is, no matter what I'm going through, I will never sing. I will never say a word that I do not mean. If you came in here today with a burden, with a heaviness, with a weariness, as we sing this song, let the words come out of your mouth be true. Don't just say it. Know it inside of you. You say with the confidence of who you are, of who he made you to be, and of who he is. Because he is good and he will never fail you. Amen? Mm Amen. Sing together. Like the key.
0: Yeah You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down
1: something to you come from the inside of you come from the place right now that it's not working in your life come from the place that is broken come from the place that is in such despair in such sorrow in spite of it I will sing. you are good in spite of what is good in spite of what is bad I sing you are good in this place today come on who's with me who believes in a God who is good no matter what good or bad He is always good no matter what we think, no matter what we believe. He is good today. Come on, say you are. his place today you stand and you stand firm and you say no matter what God is good amen amen thank you Jesus
2: amen good morning say God is good God is good no matter what amen you guys can be seated this morning good to see all your beautiful faces it's a little bit echoey up here is that just me no I think we're okay good. Man, don't you just love singing those simple anthems sometimes? Singing that over and over and over, Angel? Yes? Good? Good? Man, it's good. Oh, thank you, because I really needed this. No, just kidding. Man, God is good. God's not just good when the Broncos win, right? I know some people that wake up, you know, you got your Bronco hat on it. Thank you. Wake up Monday morning like, God's good. Why? The Broncos won. Oh, okay, cool. And then next week, is God good when they lose to the Raiders? No, it's a bad day. God's good. He's not going to let us down. He's not going to let us down, man. I remember uh, very vividly, not to get too serious, but we had a, um, we had a couple back at the, uh, in, uh, Hill City. i oh, sorry, Hill City. That is our church now. Uh, Thrive Church, where we were uh, birthed from. And uh, we had a very serious accident years ago. And uh, where we lost several, uh, several uh, kids, uh, uh, it was a masters commission. about twenty kids. There was a, I won't go into the details. That's another story, another time. But uh, a van, the van they were in. Anybody been in a church van? Where those uh, the big vans growing up? Uh, it, it turned over early in the morning uh, in the, on the Oregon border, and uh, and uh, we lost. I'm sorry to get so serious, but God is good. Say, God is good. good. We lost three kids. Um, kids, I say like uh, teenagers. And uh, one of them, uh, we went to the parents, uh, the Peshuras, and uh, they, they, we, we told them the news. Uh, they found out they were in, o- in Ohio. And that the first thing they said, you just lost your child. You know what he said, John? God is good. That's faith. That's an understanding of who God is. And I'm not saying I don't even know if I would say that. I don't know if I'm there mature enough in my faith to say that but in that moment it was like holy cow these people have a depth to their understanding of the gospel and who God is in their life Is God good in any moment of your life Is God good in the in the in the happy times in the sad times in the desperate times Man I just want us to uh, to understand that and um and and just believe those words that regardless of what's going to happen in life Tragedy, fear, happiness, joy, all these things are happening and through that. God's asking us. God is good. God is good. Amen. Can I get an amen? All right. Amen. You guys can come forward. Um, the, the art the art of having a God-centered view is, is tricky, isn't it? And having it just be man-centered a lot of times. Um, but man, that's what it's about today. So um, I'm excited at what John gets to preach about this morning. Jen and team, thank you for leading us in worship, especially you. did a great job. You're still holding on. Um, but uh, just a real quick announcement. Uh, there is, uh, we have, uh, we've been going through and sending our kids to, uh, uh, there's, des- desperation is June 22nd, or June 20th through the 22nd. Is that the right dates? You think so? Come on, man. <laughs> so he's like, I just go. I don't know. I just show up. Um. But it's in a month, and uh, so we've been raising money for the kids uh, uh, to go, and uh, it's it's uh, it's been really good. Every time we every time we have burritos or food for sale, that's to sponsor a specific uh, youth to go. And uh, for the most part, I think I don't know if you can speak. for We've been pretty, pretty much raising almost the entire funds every Sunday when we do it for that one for the one kid. So um, so please keep giving, give yourselves a hand. Thank you. Um, but. Uh, there's burritos I hear those cookies and I hear there's even water. So, um, anyway, um, so today is for, uh, the, um, who's it for Christian Clark. Thank you. Um, so Christian Clark's doing it. So get out there, buy a burrito. Um, we can take money and credit card and all those good things. So I'm going to pray and we're going to continue on God. Whew, thank you God for being in our lives. Thank you this morning. We can come um, and, and worship you this morning. Worship the living God. I pray that an appetite would grow right now in us to, to have a desire to learn your word. God, that we never get sick and tired of, of or go through the motions of just coming to church. But in this moment, God, I even center myself right now and say, God, I need to hear from you. Church, I just pray for a desperation in your soul to hear from the word of God that if you don't move today, it'll be a disappointment. And Father, we pray that we would just have eyes to hear, and our hearts will be open, or sorry, eyes to see, ears to hear, God, and that our hearts will be opened to your word this morning, Father. I pray for Pastor John as he speaks, God, and um, that uh, you would speak through him, God, fluidly, and that your word would be presented. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Hill City Church. My name is
3: John. And uh, if you are new or newer here, please check out our guest centers right in the lobby. It's a, a way to ask questions or a way to get connected. Uh, but uh, we, are, we think it's so important for you to join a life group or get into growth track. Those are just two ways to grow and mature in your faith and get connected with people. Uh, and, and groups are just normal people doing life together. We believe doing life together is so important. I know, I know. Uh, you, you're going to run into people that uh, you know that you that you don't maybe perfectly get along with but that's even good that's good no one's going to always get along with you you know that everyone who's been married knows that because <laughs> even your wife doesn't perfectly get along with you right and uh and but we believe that in life we are better together we're much better together say better together Listen, faith in Jesus has always been done in community. I'm just telling you this. It, it's not this alone thing that we do in our walk with god if you if you do the alone thing too long you get weird right we need people to be like ah, uh, you're getting weird uh, you, we need to reel you back in, in, in into life and into just in walking we need we need people in our lives and and so uh, to mature in faith you need people you need to know people and you need to be fully known as well i believe that's so impor- uh, important to be encouraged and corrected. I know we don't like to be corrected, but people who love you enough to step in the way when you are just put in a bad place or you're putting yourself in a bad place, that people love you enough to speak life into you, and that's a two-way commitment. It's not one way. So, um, so that's where we're going to go. You, please get into a group. We have groups out there. Get information about the church, but if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 10. This one's a fun one this one's a fun one this has been heavy on my uh, on my mind all week we, we we've been through the series we're going through the series called meet a Jesus we're going step by step verse by verse through the book of Mark and now we have reached Mark 10 and here's Jesus right he's encouraging us yet he's confronting us and correcting us not skipping over of the hard stuff and I I was like man this would be a good one to skip over you know, there's, if there's ones to skip over, this is, these are the verses I would like to skip over. Uh, but, but to get to the whole story, to get to the core of the things, of the issues of the things that we deal with, to be like Jesus, to be a disciple and make disciples, we got to deal with the deep things of our lives, the deep views, world views of our lives. And my hope is that you encounter Jesus today. And uh, the, mar- the, the message today is called Marriage, Divorce, and In Light of the Gospel marriage, divorce. And so uh, we're going to pray and we're going to run right into this and uh, just pray with me and just pray that God just, man, if God needs to do some work on our view of marriage or just work in our marriage or work in our future marriage or please God send someone right now, I need someone marriage, right? Uh, I, I just pray that we do. We just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We are not ashamed of your gospel. For it brings life. It is the power unto life, Lord. It, is, it brings power into our life, God. So I pray we are confronted by the gospel today. And let it speak to us. Let it change us to be more like you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, Gio. Amen. So this is a difficult topic, right? Marriage, divorce. It's difficult, first of all, because... I know that everyone has been affected by this. Everyone. There's not a single person in this room that is not affected by marriage and divorce. If you want to turn this down in the monitors behind me, it'd be fine. And uh, secondly, trying to answer the question, what circumstance can a person get a divorce and remarry? It's not black and white in Scripture, just to, just to give you some clarity here. And I'm, I'm going to as we move forward. The Bible is not straightforward on this subject, right? What, what I want to do is break down what the Bible is actually straightforward on and what it actually says, right? And today, I was like, man, I, I don't have any divorce jokes. Like, you know, I, I can't bring the levity in this place. It's heavy. It's a heavy thing, and it's, it's easy. It would be easier to skip over, but I believe we need the full Word of God, and that's what we're going to do and thirdly, it's socially difficult because the cultural view of marriage and divorce and Jesus' view don't always align. It doesn't even align. I, I, was, I was letting it like, speak to my own heart about marriage and divorce. And this is, happens both outside and inside the church. And, and divorce, I, it can be viewed as typical because many people in this room, and we have all, many people, all of us have been affected by it, right? And it could be, a, we can tone it down but it, and say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But in the Bible, I'm going to say some heavy things, it's a big deal to God. And I don't want you to feel condemned in here. That's not anything that I'm trying to do. I want to lift you up. By giving you the word of God, yet I don't want us to take it lightly. So it's this, I'm, I'm in this dance of sorts of trying to balance the word of God and into our hearts, right? Because I'm not here on a soapbox trying to speak into you because I have no place, honestly. I have no place. I'm not that good. Uh, I just let God's word speak to our lives, and it has a lot to say. So I, I was thinking, I could talk about this, I can talk about that, I can talk about this, and the other thing about marriage and divorce. But I'm going to just talk about what Jesus' view on marriage and divorce. So if your, your thoughts and your ideas are not in here, you can message me, uh, and we can talk about it later on. But I'm going to give you Jesus' view on marriage and divorce through Mark chapter 10. Verse, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 9, all right? and he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan the crowds gathered uh, to him again and again as it was his custom he taught them and after he taught them the pharisees came up in order to test him they wanted to belittle jesus to play down what jesus was saying and, and so they tried to trap jesus cuz they didn't like him right and so they asked is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife and he answered them what did jesus command i mean what did moses command you And, of course, this is Jesus, a question for a question. This is what he does, right? And they said to Moses, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But, that's the big but, right? I wanted to do, like, a series called Big Butts of the Bible, but that's one of them, right? (coughs) But... The beginning of creation, God made the male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, and they will no longer be two but one. Therefore, uh, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So, I'm going I'm, I'm to break this down, and you can tell already that divorce and remarrying is not straightforward in Scripture. It's messy. It's situational. So, I, I might not go fully into that. But God's view of marriage is very concrete. God's view of marriage itself is very concrete. And it's clear how God feels. And now we're going to uh, break down this passage of what Jesus is saying here. Number one, Jesus says, divorce is the result of sin. And, uh, and, 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 and it says here, and Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment. He's saying because of the hardness of our heart, because of our sinfulness, he wrote this commandment. And Jesus tells them this. Moses wrote in this addendum because of our hard hearts, because of our sinfulness and, and our unwillingness uh, sometimes in our lives. There's many times there's an unwillingness to align ourselves with God. And, I, and I, I say this here and there, but there is really one sin in the Bible. There is. There's one sin. I know no, maybe no one has told you that. The one sin is either we believe God is right or we believe we are right. In every situation in our lives, there's going to be that one sin. There's going to be moments that we face. Either we trust God even when we don't understand and we say, you are good, I'm going to follow you. Even when it's hard to understand, even when I don't feel it, I'm going to put faith before feelings. And in the Bible, many times when you read the word faith, uh, Americans, we say the word belief, right? When you say, oh, be, have faith, belief. But, many, but in, the, in the ancient customs, many times when they said the word faith, it means loyalty. Loyalty. That you have my loyalty, God. As, as my king, you have my loyalty. When I don't understand, I'm going to trust that you know more than me. It's loyalty. So it says right here, it says Jesus tells them, it's a hardness of heart. We, uh, our, our, our desires to, to submit to ourselves rather than God. Then, the, then then he says, that's why we have to check our hearts. Every one of us, married or not, every one of us has to check our heart. Am I loyal to God? Am I loyal to God? Will I stand with God? And and I, I believe that's the greater question, even past marriage and divorce. Am I loyal to God? Does he have my loyalty? Is my marriage relationship submitted to God? I was thinking about this this week. I was like convicting myself. I, and that's what I do. I, I write this message. I'm like, John, you are jacked up, right? Yeah, I just think of Yeah, she laughs. Thank you, Everly. <laughs> you are messed up. You ever think about where your loyalties lie sometimes in your own marriage? And I'm like, my loyalties lie with myself, even over my wife, many times. Many things that I do is uh, I was talking to uh, friends. Many times, husbands and wives, many things that we do is for our own good, right? It looks good in the moment, like I've been working so hard for you, you know, so that I can get such and such, whatever such and such is, right? right? Whatever you want to fill in that blank is, right? But our loyalty, sometimes we're submitted. We, want, we are more submitted to ourselves. We want them to be loyal to us, but we're more loyal to us than them too, and and so, are we submitted to Jesus and one another? And, and the beauty and the power of marriage is found in mutual submission. Say mutual submission. You know, there's something about mutual submission. It's really hard, right? It, it's, 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 it, I talked about the Trinity, how, how uh, it's, uh, you know, God and three, th- three persons all trying to lift up the other. And it's, in the marriage, it's the same thing. You are mutually submitting to one another. And this is so hard. And I'm... I, this Man, this week I was all over the place. I was like, yeah, this is funny. Because, you know, when you're preparing, I prepare for a message, and I'm, like, really convicted. i like, talk to Candice. I'm like, I am so sorry. <laughs> I have not been good. Like, I've been so committed to myself, my wants, my, my time, my things, that I am not submitted to you sometimes. And, and, and so I was thinking about it. It was convicting me. But it was this, this beauty of mutual commi- uh, submission of I'm going to lift you up, and then you, I'm going to... Uh, Everything I'm going to do, is I'm going to work the hardest to lift you up. Candace is missing. She's teaching junior high. Candace, just pretend she's here. Second seat. Candace, I'm going to lift you up. And then Candace is like, all right, I'm going to work my hardest to lift you up. There is a beauty in that sort of relationship. The worst kind of marriage is two takers. Like, you give me, I'll do 50%, and you do 50%, and then we'll be good. No one's ever good because you never can have enough. That's human nature. Like, I think you have a, you, you, if you had a sibling, and if they had even a crumb more than you, you're like, yours is bigger. Than, that's more food than mine. Give me that. You try to cut the crumb. And we, we cut down to the nitty-gritty, like to the little bit. And in marriage, in the same way, if you want to play 50-50, it never works out because you, our human nature wants more than the other. We want to win. Winning, right? We want to win. And, and so I, I want us to think about that. In humility, the power of marriage is in submitting. And I'm going to talk more about it in just a little bit. And it's not easy. It takes work. It takes trust. Big time trust. And it takes humility. Number two, Jesus says that marriage is instituted by God. Mark 10, 6 to 8, it says, But from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Right? I want to just point out when it says a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, there is a relationship that you have with your family, with your father and mother, but when you're married, there's a primary relationship that happens, right? And the two shall become one flesh, so they're no longer one flesh. I mean, no longer two, but one. And the word hold fast means to cleave or to join together or to submit. It's a word of permanence. I was going to bring a bunch of glue and stick things together and and rip it apart. I was like, I don't have time right now, right? But think about it. When you, anyone deal with like two-part epoxy, right? You get this one thing and, and some people are like, what are you talking about? It's two, literally two different chemicals. And when you put them together, they turn Chemically, into something altogether different it 's a two part epoxy, and they harden so these two parts away from each other are their own chemically they're chemically different, but when you put them together, they harden to create something totally different That's, uh, and it 's permanent you can 't undo it right like liquid nail it, you can 't undo it. you can try to rip it apart and it rips away that 's why when, when, uh, when the ripping away happens. You can tell that you're, you're not whole again. There's things that have been ripped away from you. And, and so that's the becoming one. And this happens in marriage. God takes two people and forms them into one flesh, one unit, one life. And, and it's not you and your mama and your wife, right? Right? She, it's not you, your mama and wife, right? It's not you and your homeboys and, and your wife, right? And no, this relationship is primary. Say primary you got to fight for your marriage sometimes in your own family right i know i know like there's going to be moments where you are developing and you got to stand for your wife or you got to stand for your husband and wives you got to stand up for your husband not your husband stand up for himself in uh, uh, for your fa- against your family or it turns into something crazy right and husbands you have to stand for your wife for your family well usually it's the mother right the mamas can be crazy. But you, you got to stand. you got to stand for this. And, and so that's the beautiful thing that of two becoming one. It's a beautiful dance of wills, of love, of grace, of discipline, of binding of lives together. And, and God is the glue of this. That's what uh, Jesus is talking about. As the more we stand in Christ with one another, he binds us deeper together using marriage to shape us discipline us. That's right. Marriage disciplines us. It disciples us. Your marriage relationship or your relationship is a discipleship. I know we don't see it like that, but biblically, even your marriage relationship is a discipleship, and it grows you to be more like Christ, and he calls marriage relationship covenant, like iron sharpening iron, grinding down those broken and rough places in our edges, right? We got some rough edges. I know well, when I first got married to Candace, like she had some rough edges. Let's just say that. She had some issues. I mean, I came pretty complete, right? But my wife, she's not in here. I just can, I can just talk trash about her. You just don't tell her. She had some issues. And I was like, Candace, I'm going to I'm going to pray for you cuz you know what? God needs to do a deep work in your life. Uh, but uh, you know, we you know pray for her even today, right? But God, as we, as we got married, it's, we're, we don't come boldly intact. Let me just tell you that. We, it, it's like a grinding down. Like, can, Just imagine two stones or iron sharpening iron. Sometimes there's fire. Sometimes there's sparks. And you know what? It's okay. It's still okay. It's still good. If someone says to, to you that they never have problems in their marriage, right? Oh, I, we never argue, we never fight, we never raise our voice, John. How dare you raise your voice, right? If, if someone tells you that, they're lying, or they're newlyweds, right? Or they don't talk about anything deep, because immediately, I remember getting married and then fighting on our honeymoon. Anyone do that? Yeah, we got into a big old fight on our honeymoon, and I'm like, who did she, who did I marry? Because I am so intact, Right? <laughs> Uh, but I remember fighting on our honeymoon, and I was like, and, it, and, and there's these moments. Of course, there's going to be sparks in your marriage. But listen, as iron sharpens iron, it smooths down. Just think about it. As it's sharpening, it's smoothing down the edges. The rough parts of your life is being smoothed down. And here's the paradox of marriage. And some of us, we're not in a good position right now in our marriages. We know that. We know that. And some of us, it's, it's a hard moment, right? But here's the paradox of marriage. I want us to get this. This is really important for us to get, right? The obligation and the responsibility in your marriage, in your relationship, actually produces freedom. Right? The obligation produces freedom. The responsibility produces freedom. And freedom to be truly ourselves and to be truly known, which is what the soul really desires. You just don't know it yet. To be truly Known to be fully known by someone, we need that in our lives. And your friends, I remember getting, uh, I remember being single and getting married, and my coworkers they'd be like, "Ball and chain, John. Ball and chain. You could still play the field. You can run, play the field. Don't get married." They would tell me that, and uh, of course, those people, I. Don't take advice from your single friends. They're idiots, right? They will say things that don't make sense because they don't know. But they and I said, all right, go home and play video games in your mom's basement. I'm going to get married, right? Whatever. But I'm just saying, like, just uh, our responsibility produces Freedom. Our obligation produces freedom because it brings us to be fully known. And in our culture, we don't like, in our culture, we don't like obligation. We think obligation doesn't bring freedom. It's negatively viewed. The less obligation, the better, right? I do what I want when I want to do it, that's better. I'm free to do what I want, right? There's even songs like that. But God's view of freedom is a freedom that produces joy and it's designed. It's, it's a freedom that comes when we are moving in what we're designed to be. And listen, until I'm fully known, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, sexually, historically, deeply, then th- when I'm known in those ways in all those areas of my life, then I'm fully free. Can you imagine someone truly knowing you? And, and 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 in marriage, it doesn't happen immediately. Don't let those honeymooners tell you that. It takes time. It takes time. There's moments. I, I, it's we've been married 14 years now, Candace and I, and like and and we've never fought before, right? One time. No, just kidding. We fight weekly, weekly, healthy fights, because um, you know she's still working it out. Uh, but but I remember just like. And after 14 years, there's still moments that I tell Candice, you never told me that. I didn't know that about you. you like, like, ask her about her softball picture and the glasses she wore. Just ask her. She'll love it, right? Just, but there's these moments of things I did not know anything about in, in Candice's life that are still being discovered. It is a journey of adventure and keep husbands, don't stop exploring, don't stop going deep into your wife's life. And wives, ditto just in the opposite of that keep on pursuing the pursuit is important because it's covenant freedom cov- comes in covenant to be fully en- engaged yet to be fully known that's covenant and Jesus says what God has joined together let no man separate God did this so when we divorce and I'm going to get a little heavier here you're breaking apart something God put together Ooh. Which brings us to the question, why? Why did God create marriage? Why did God create this? Christians, we need to know this because I want us to have the right view. And then if you're just checking this Jesus thing out, I want you to know what Christians believe and what Jesus says about it. Why God made marriage. God's view on marriage. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. It says, therefore, and he says almost the same thing Jesus says man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's identical, right? And then he says in verse 32, this mystery is profound. It's deep, deeper than you think. And I am saying that it refers, even your marriage refers to Jesus and the church. And at first, I've read this scripture so many times, and I'm like, okay, I I think I get it, which I didn't. I just, you know, sometimes we just read scripture. We don't break it down. But the apostle Paul is giving us insight of what it means to be one flesh. He's saying it's a mystery. It's hidden, but now it's being revealed through Jesus and his love for the church. That's what he's saying. Marriage is a picture of God's unbreakable love for us. I'm going to say that again. Marriage is a picture of God's unbreakable love for his church, for his bride. So marriage isn't primarily, the Christian marriage isn't primarily about our happiness. I'm going to just put that right out there. Think about it. The Christian marriage is not primarily about our fulfillment and our happiness. It's bigger than me. And many times when we get married, we say these words, and I say, I say these words, right? She, she um, you, you're the best thing that happened to me. Which is, I'm still focusing on me. You make my life better. And the primary uh, the recipient of that better is me, right? <laughs> you bring joy to my life. We say all these statements thinking that it's increasing them, but it's actually, you're saying it's about me. Still, even in our statements, I was like, ooh, got me, got me. And, and as, as I'm reading the word, the Christian marriage isn't primarily about me, and I don't like that. Me doesn't like that. Me, me likes me, Right? You remember when Terrell Owen said this, like, I love me some me. And, and, and we're like, oh, that's foolish. But the way we live, the way we view marriage, the way we view work, the way we view life, we love me some me, right? Some of us, we're mad at work because it's not about me, right? Oh, why did I get that promotion? Sometimes we're mad in our marriage, like, oh, they, don't they know what I have been doing, me? The problems that is caused in our lives is mostly because of me. And what I think about me that you don't like, you don't think about me what I think about me. And when when that clash happens, that causes a me problem, right? And so that's what he's saying. Uh, Paul is saying he's breaking it down. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than my needs. It's bigger than my wants. It's bigger than how it makes me feel. And Paul says the primary purpose of marriage is to display to this world God's love, God's unbreakable love for the church and for one another. We display in our marriage what God's love looks like to our world. Think about that. It's unbreakable, it's never ending, it's enduring, it's faithful, it's hopeful, it's fruitful, it's never fails, the Bible says, this kind of love. So in light of what Jesus is saying and Paul is saying, how do we think God views divorce? And this can be the heavy part, guys. And I know many of us have gone through it. And I I can't talk about everyone's... Moments and, and that's why it's hard. I wish that this this message was so large that I could talk about each Situation I can and there's some situations you couldn't do anything about right But I'm, I'm just gonna focus on what Jesus says right here about about even divorce God is serious If God is serious about marriages God is serious about divorce. He is it says in Malachi two sixteen, I hate divorce God doesn't say he hates many things right He hates divorce. I don't advise it, it's not, I advise against divorce or I wish you wouldn't. No, he says, I hate it. I know what it causes. I know the deep things that it causes. I hate it, not because it breaks rules, no, but it breaks the heart of God, it breaks your heart, it breaks covenant, it breaks the image of Christ and his love for the church. Have you ever thought my marriage is my testimony of God? Have we ever thought my marriage is my greatest testimony of God? It's interesting, right? That's weighty, right? But that's what he's saying. We separate marital life and spiritual life. Oh, that's, that's something different. Spiritual life is what I do at church and doing when I read the Bible and listen to Christian radio or whatever. But no, he's saying your whole life is your Christian life. Your whole life is your spiritual life. If you went up to Jesus and you asked him, how's your spiritual life? And I said this before. He would say, you mean my real life? No, 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 your church life, Jesus. No, he would say, you mean my real life. There's no, there's no boundary. There's no break. Oh, this is what I do spiritually, and this is what I do for work. No. Your whole life is your spiritual life. Your whole life is your real life. Your whole life is your walk with God. The way you are at work is your walk with God. The way you live in your marriage is your walk with God. The way you raise your children is your walk with God. The way you deal with money, the way you deal with problems, the way we deal with our racism is all our walk with God. It is. It's all our walk with God. And God, and it's, it's our whole life. And marriage is showing that it is spiritual. It is spiritual. And that's why God says, I hate divorce. It breaks his heart, it breaks your heart, and it wounds us and leaves a legacy of pain. It does. So I want to speak to single people here. And, uh, and, and today, I want you to think about your personal view of marriage. And this is not only for single people. This is for all people. What is your view of marriage? Does it line up with God's view of marriage? His vision for marriage, something to pray about. I really believe many of us need to pray about this. Ask God to speak to you, to change your heart. And sometimes we need to pick covenant over convenience. And I want you to just, man, if you're you're single, think about, establish this idea, this thought, this view of marriage. And, and, and if you're in a current relationship, establish this in your relationship. Before you get marriage, married, don't take marriage lightly. It's more than your happiness. It's your witness of God. Don't take sex lightly. It's more than physical. It's more than pleasure. It's covenant. Align your view with His. Our obedience is our real worship. I'm going to say that again because no one caught it. I know. I know. It took me a while to even write it. But our obedience is our real worship. Many times we think worship is just something we sing about. No, it's our obedience. When we, when we do the music part of worship, man, it is saying we're worshiping unto God. Who cares who's next to you? Who cares who's around you? It doesn't matter how you feel. Sometimes we worship God. It says in, the, in John, we worship God in spirit and truth. Sometimes you worship God because you feel it in spirit. You're like, man, I feel good. I can feel in the spirit. And sometimes we worship God just strictly in truth, right? Even when you don't feel it, God, you are good. You're never going to let me down. That's a truth statement. That's a walking in truth. Can you imagine if you just parented in spirit when you just felt it? Your kids would not have socks, right? They'd wear underwear for six days, right? My kids won't take a shower. Boys, don't take showers until you, like, get in the shower. I'm, like, yelling at them, Right? And you're like, you know how bad you smell? They're like, no, I smell fine, right? And then they put on your cologne, and you're like, you still smell, right? Just because you put cologne on doesn't mean don't smell. And, and sometimes we, we can't parent in just when we feel it. We parent in truth, right? We parent with a standard of truth. And, and in the same way, we're, our obedience is our worship. Your future marriage is a picture of God's unending, unbreaking love for his true church and his true intimacy. Now to married people, what if you're unhappy in your marriage, right? And, and, and man, if you are on like Facebook or reading a magazine, it's like, what if you're married and you miss your soulmate, right? There's like movies about it and it's, it's so crazy. What if you missed your soul? And it's like, um, you're married, and you're unhappy, and and you don't get the butterflies anymore. People have changed. Your spouse hasn't cheated, but it's just not working out, and it hasn't been for a while. God, is it okay to get a divorce, right? I mean, God will forgive us, right? Have you ever, when we say the words, God will forgive us, right? We're already stepping into a a very dark place with understanding your relationship with God. And I'm going to say a strong statement. True believers don't say statements like that. Ooh, I bit down on, even on my own tongue. I was like, Oh, shouldn't have said it. But when your heart is at a place where God's standards is, is negligible, it's like, ah, yes and no. He'll forgive me. Grace is bigger than that, right, John? And I would say, man, you are at a dark place. You don't understand the sacrifice of Christ. You don't understand the gospel. You don't understand who God is. And he's king. He's not just like your BFF. I say, I tell you, he's not our homeboy, right? And so we, I believe that's the wrong question. Don't use God's grace and the blood of Jesus as an out and a license to sin. Rather ask the question, how can I restore, rebuild what I have committed to? How can I rebuild what I've reconciled? Well, how can I reconcile? And it's a view of grace and sacrifice and love and suffering. Listen, Christians need to learn to suffer well. That is a strong statement. But we need to learn to suffer well. And it's hard. I'm sorry this mess is so heavy. I just didn't know where to go with this, but this is where I'm going. We need to learn to suffer well, married people. I'm talking to myself. There's moments. I didn't know that there's... There's things that you guys have gone through in your marriages that has been so tough. And I know it. Some of us were on our second marriage and we're trying to make it work. And I know it. And it's still so tough. But man, suffer well in that. Make covenant and make that the greatest marriage that you can. I believe that. Man, bring healing as much as you can. But if you can suffer, suffer well in Christ. What if your spouse cheated on you? Now what, John? I would still ask you, and I know this is not popular. But I I even asked, someone asked me this two weeks ago, and I I said to them, can you save your marriage? Can you save your marriage? And that's such a weight, so heavy, and it's complicated. I know it's not that simple. See, Jesus said Moses allowed divorce in this case, but Jesus said it's because of our hardness of hearts. Can we still restore this? I know this isn't the easy view. I wish I could say the easy stuff. This isn't it. And I know there's situations they leave and you can't do anything about it. And there's many multiple situations that I'm not bringing up here and other difficulties. Yet for us, in light of Jesus, his name, his love, his covenant, work to restore what is broken, what is hard. Take the tough road, faith over feelings. And it might not work. That's the hard part. I did all this, John. It didn't work. You suck. (laughs) And I've got that before. I've got that before. And I said, thank you for doing the best that you can. And sometimes, yes, I do suck, right? And, and, and but I'm just saying, man, I still stand by it. I still give that same advice. You want me to know, if you're going to ask me, should I leave my wife because of such and such, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Can you restore this? Can you restore this? And then, uh, then there is zero biblical evidence of, for divorce and remarriage apart from sexual morality in the bible and even in sexual morality the bible's direction for divorce is still restoration i know that's not our climate in our culture but it is there is a whole book in the bible called hosea and let me tell you what hosea is about god comes to hosea tells him there's a girl he wants to marry he, he wants him to marry but this girl by the way is a prostitute right So Hosea does what God asks him to do, marries her. And then after, she goes and starts cheating on him over and over again. And if you were Hosea's best friend, guess what advice I would give him? Like, you better run, Hosea. You better go, man. Run, brother. Divorce her, run away. But that's not the advice God gives her. He gives him, actually. He tells him, go after her. Keep pursuing her. Cover her as you can. Try to win her heart no matter what. And in this story of Hosea, guess who Hosea represents? Jesus. And guess who his wife represents? Us. The book of Hosea is a picture of God's never-ending pursuit of us. Man. And the truth is, I have cheated on Jesus a thousand times with a thousand different gods and a thousand different idols and a thousand different loves, right? Yet he has never left me. And when you get married, that is the love you display and you represent. That is what your marriage represents. To do that is, takes work, man, and it's not easy. And we get up, we fall down, we get up again. But today, man, as, as the worship team comes up, you feel as you messed up already. And, I, and that's not the feeling I want you to have. That's not the, I'm not trying to put more weight on you. It's weight enough. I know it. But let's stand today. I know some of us, we feel like we hurt people in the past or we're hurting ri- even right now. We're hurting even right now and you've been hurt, and you're still hurting, you're confused, and you're scared, you might be thinking, God's angry with me. God can no longer love me. I've messed up so big, yet that's not true. Yes, that's not true. God's love is not like our love. It's not just, oh, here and then gone. It's not like, it's not circumstantial. God's love is not like that. He still loves you. He loves you. God loves you. He's running after you. No matter where you are today, your history, your present moment, I want to say God loves you. We want marriages to be healed. We want our single people who have gone through divorce, who have broken hearts to be healed, to be made whole in Christ. God loves you. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. I believe that God has even put Hill City and put you in this room today to hear this message. restore your joy your intimacy your hope for the future he takes even our sufferings in life to bring you back to joy that's the cross it represents a love so deep a love so enduring a love in suffering a forgiveness so freeing that even death cannot keep you from him and Paul wrote these words for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor rulers nor present things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You are completely known, yet completely loved. And that's what we really need. That's true intimacy. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, just speak to us right now, God. We know, Lord God, we know that people in this room, I know this is a weight, God. But I want us to feel the weight of what it means to represent you, what it means to have a Christ-following marriage, God. And not, I believe none of us are perfect at this. We're all in process, Lord God. But let us know that we are completely known. God knows every detail, every sin, every hardship, every weight in your life, yet he fully loves you. God loves you. Right now, I just want to ask in this room, with your heads bowed, if you guys are just, man, you need healing in your marriage, I just want you to just raise your hands. And I, want, I want you can be bold. If you need healing in your marriage, just raise your hand. And there's going to be some of my leaders that just come around you, just, man, and you guys are going to pray for them. If you need healing in your marriage, just raise your hands. Just be bold about it. If you need strength in your singleness, raise your hands. It's okay. Man, some of us, we need strength in our singleness, right? We need strength in our singleness. We need to heal broken heart and to stand in covenant. Heavenly Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for everyone who has raised their hand right now, Lord God. I pray for strength in their singleness, Lord God. I pray for strength. In, in, in just, Lord, their walk with God. I pray for this room, Lord God. I pray for the people in here, God. And we all raise our hands because, God, we all need strength in our view of marriage. We all need strength in our view of God. We all need to know that we are fully known by you, God, and you do, Lord God. I pray today in this room, Lord God, that you will reveal to us a freedom that is in Christ. Right now, we're just going to sing a little bit. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you worship with us you're never gonna let you never gonna let me down you are a hero We trust in your way, Lord God. And if our life conflicts with your way, I pray, Lord God, we close the gap in obedience. And I pray for blessings over singleness and marriage, Lord God. I pray for wherever we stand, Lord God, if we have been divorced in the past, Lord God, we take our moment now to bring restoration, Lord, to what we have now, strengthen our marriages, strengthen our singleness, Lord God, as we represent you and your love. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Get to know one another. Get into a group. God bless you guys.